Thank you, Cassandra, for blessing us with the beautiful, beautiful song with your amazing voice as we continue the Christmas Eve service. And I want to thank, again, all the students who, who read today. They're all wonderful, great readers. Uh, focusing on the gospel message, which also, actually, when you help us read, um, Zoe and Sebastian, Katie Ryan, Mercedes and Abigail, and others at other times, and sometimes adults too, it helps make my message shorter because I don't have to read those scriptures during the message. So you can thank them later on. A senior angel is showing a very young angel around the splendors of the universe. They view whirling galaxies and blazing suns, and then they flit across the infinite distances of space until at last they enter one particular galaxy of 500 billion stars, 500 billion stars. As the two of them draw near to the star, which we call our sun, and to its circling planets, the senior angel pointed to a small, in rather insignificant sphere, turning very slowly on its axis. It looked as dull as a dirty tennis ball to the angel, whose mind was filled with the size and glory of what he had seen. I want you to watch that one particularly, said the senior angel, pointing with his finger. Well, it looks very small and rather dirty to me, said the little angel. What's special about that one? To the little angel, earth did not seem so impressive. He listened in stunned disbelief as a senior angel told him that this planet, Earth, small and insignificant and not overly clean, was a renowned visited planet. Capital V, capital P, visited planet. Do you mean that our great and glorious prince, capital P, do you mean that our great and glorious prince went down in person to this fifth-rate little ball? Why should he do a thing like that? The little angel's face wrinkled in disgust. Do you mean to tell me, he said, that he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures of that floating ball? I do. And I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures in that tone of voice. For as strange as it may seem to us, he loves them. He went down to visit them, to lift them up, to become like him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond his, his comprehension. But that is the message of Christmas. That is the message of Christmas. In a minute, we're going to talk about the significance of God dwelling with us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. You know, I grew up creating many memories during the Christmas season. I remember the excitement of being off school for two weeks. Some don't get off school for two weeks. I'm sorry. I was usually off school for two weeks and three if it snowed a lot. I remember a few Christmas Eve worship services. Notice I said just a few. Unfortunately, we didn't go that regularly. I remember many wonderful gatherings at my grandparents' house. I remember my excitement to go downstairs on Christmas morning to see what Santa brought us for Christmas. I remember a joyful time with family opening Christmas gifts sometimes with the fireplace lit in the other room. I remember a few family gatherings on Christmas Eve, but I was afraid we were gonna be up too late and Santa was gonna pass our house. Christmas is about God's presence with us. You know that God lives within us, Emmanuel. 
As I've already stated, Emmanuel means God with us. I want to start by explaining the idea of Emmanuel, but then I intend to talk about God being with us and what the significance is that God is with us. Jesus will be Emmanuel. In the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it reads, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. This is a miracle. This young woman of 14, 13, maybe even 15 years old, who's never, never known a man, never been with a man, is engaged, not married yet, is going to conceive and bear a son, bear a child, and he shall be called Emmanuel. Now, he's also called Jesus. That's because there's throne titles mixed in there. And Jesus means the Lord saves. And Emmanuel means God with us, as I've stated three times now. Do you realize Isaiah was writing this 700 years prior to Jesus' birth? 700 years prior to Jesus, and it's a prophecy about Jesus' birth. This is being fulfilled in Jesus' birth. This is from the Lord. This is prophecy. And then in Matthew's gospel, Chapter 1, verse 23, it reads, this same verse is quoted. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall cause him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew, during the birth narrative of Jesus in Matthew's gospel, he quotes Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Actually, Isaiah is quoted all throughout the New Testament. Isaiah 53, Isaiah 7, Isaiah, other places, quoted all throughout the New Testament. This is just one of them. Notice that he, Jesus, is, is to be called Emmanuel. Think about the awesome ramifications in this passage. God came down to be one of us. You know, we've talked about this for several weeks now at Bethel. We've talked about what, who Jesus is, who Jesus will be. We've talked about this for several weeks now. And this is the crux of Christmas. God became one of us. Emmanuel, God with us. And this is what sets us apart as Christ followers. What sets us apart as Christians is that God became one of us. And I would even go further than that. God didn't only become one of us. God is still one of us. God is still one of us. And God was not only with us for a time, God is still with us. If you are here and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you still have God dwelling within you. You still have the Holy Spirit within you. God is still with us. You know, we sing this song at Easter time, Resurrection Sunday. You ask me now how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. God with us. We must all know for certain that this does not mean that you are God. No, it does not mean that you are God. No, God is set apart from his creation. God is with us, but we are not gods. Not at all. But take a moment. Some of you are going through very difficult times right now. And my wife's family is one of them. Her mom went home to be with her Lord and Savior just on Thursday night. And that can oftentimes rob the joy of Christmas when you experience the loss of a loved one. However, it also gives Christmas new meaning. Because Jesus came, because God, because God became one of us, lived amongst us for 33 years, died in the cross for our sins and rose again. Because Jesus came and died for our sins and rose again, we don't have to fear death. 
First Corinthians 15 says, death no longer has a sting. Because Jesus came, we always have hope. We always have hope. It doesn't mean we don't grieve. We do grieve. But as the apostle Paul says, we grieve differently. We grieve, but not like the world. There's a new focus. We don't have to fear death. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God dwells with us. God is with us, Emmanuel. I once heard Pastor Tony Evans. He shared an amazing story about this idea of God with us. You see, he was on a cruise ship and they were off the coast of Alaska. It was a cruise for his ministry. And during this cruise, they hit some rough seas. The cruise ships going through some rough seas, like huge waves, huge swells. And it is so rough. Things are moving around. People are getting sick and everything's rough. Everything's a mess. So Tony Evans' wife was frustrated. She wanted to call the captain and complain, do something. So she calls the captain. She leaves a message. She called because she organized this cruise for the ministry that Tony Evans led. So she called the captain and the first mate called back and the first mate said, the captain wants you to do two things. The captain wants you to do two things. First, first, the captain wants you to go to sleep. Go to sleep. It's rough seas, it's rough waves, waves, but go to sleep. Second, you can go to sleep because I will be staying awake. You can go to sleep because the captain is awake guiding the ship. I, the captain, will be staying awake to pilot the ship through the storm. Psalm 121 in the Old Testament says that our God never sleeps or slumbers. This passage that we've been reading, talking about Isaiah 7, 14, God with us, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, God with us. These passages are saying that God is with us. Like the captain, he is with us. God is awake, guiding us through the storms of life, and he is always with us. We can rest comfortably knowing that God is in charge, and if you know him, he is with you. Do you realize the very special significance of that? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we will not face storms in life. We will face storms in this life. But you know what? God is with us. God is with us in the storms. And I don't want, to miss the, I don't want you to miss the importance in this passage. Jesus came. He lived a life as God with us. Jesus died for our sins and then rose again. So Jesus is still alive. And he sent his Holy Spirit to live with us. And that is how he's with us today. He's with us through the Holy Spirit who came to be with us. So I have some applications of this idea of Emmanuel, of God with us. God with us means that he cares about us. God with us means that he cares about us. He's not a distant deity off in the outer parts of the galaxy. He is with us and he is because he cares about us. God with us means that we are never alone never alone. God with us means that we don't have to worry about the future. He is with us. And guess what? He's omnipresent. He's outside of time. He's in the future. God with us means that the creator of all can also be with his creation. God with us means that we, are, that we have the architect of creation with us. God with us means that if he is with us, he can support and guide us. God with us means that he can and has communicated to us. God has communicated to us. Do you realize that? That's just amazing. It's powerful. God with us means that he can and has communicated to us. And next one, we must live with an understanding 
excuse me, of this awesome truth that God is with us. We must live with an application of this awesome truth that God is with us. We can be comforted by that. We must live allowing God through Jesus to soothe our needs as he is with us. So Jesus came and he lived among us. He died for our sins in our place, but he rose again and he is still with us. World War I was characterized by trench warfare. Often the trenches of the two enemies were only a few yards apart. I read a story in which one of the officers, uh, actually I read a story in which the officers on both sides in one trench sector agreed that on Christmas Day, they would permit the soldiers to come out of the trenches for Christmas fellowship. The troops gladly did so. You probably heard of the Christmas truce. After a short time though, the officers ordered them back into their trenches. They realized that the soldiers could not fellowship together one day and then suddenly be enemies again. This story reminded me of some words written many years ago. Thus, we can always know that men could live, live with goodwill and understanding for each other because one day and each year, the little divine prince of peace still compels him to do it. Jesus compels us to live with peace and goodwill and understanding towards one another. God with us. Christmas is about God's presence with us. God's presence with us. Now, let me ask you, are you excited about presence with us, God's presence with us? And you're also excited to give presents, ending with a T and an S, in the name of Jesus. Let me give you some ideas of some presents you could give in the name of Jesus this year. Here are 32 suggestions. Take your choice. You can give all these gifts in the name of Jesus this year. Mend a quarrel. Seek out a forgotten friend. Dismiss suspicion. Write a long overdue love note. Hug someone tightly and whisper, I love you. Forgive an enemy. Be gentle and patient with an angry person. Express appreciation. Gladden the heart of a child. Find the time to keep a promise. Make or bake something for someone else anonymously. Release a grudge. Listen. Speak kindly to a stranger. Enter into another's sorrow. Smile. Laugh a little. Laugh a little more. Take a walk with a friend. Kneel down and stroke a dog. Read a poem to your mate or friend. Lessen your demands on others. Play some beautiful music during supper. Apologize if you were wrong. Talk together with the television and cell phone turned off. Treat someone to an ice cream. Frozen yogurt would be fine. <laughs> Do the dishes for the family. Pray for someone who helped you when you were hurt. Fix breakfast on Saturday morning. Give a soft answer even though you feel strongly. Encourage an older person. Point out one thing you appreciate most about someone you work with or live near. Offer, a ba offer to babysit for a weary mother. Give your teacher a break. Be especially cooperative. I encourage you, make this season one long extended gift of ourselves to others, unselfishly, without announcement, without obligation, without reservation, without hypocrisy. That is Christianity, isn't it? God became one of us. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again. He lives within us. And when he lives with us, he changes us. And we can pass those gifts on to other people. I wanna take one moment 
and ask you, do you know the creator? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you know him? Are you in a relationship with him? Some people, many times, they would say, yes, I know him. When I was, in five, when I was five years old at VBS, I surrendered my life to him. I want to ask you another question beyond that. Are you in a relationship with him? Relationships take time. Are you in relationship with him? Are you spending time in prayer and in his word? Are you spending time with your church family? If not this church, another Bible-believing church. Do you know him? Are you in a relationship with him? God calls us to surrender to him, yes. Surrender to him. Make him Lord of your life. But he calls us to live with him, with him, in a relationship with him. I read a quote earlier, and I want to read it again. Um, It's from Tim Keller, and I really appreciate him. He said, if Jesus Christ is really mighty God, an everlasting father, you can't just like him. In the Bible, the people who actually saw and heard Jesus never reacted indifferently or even mildly. Once they realized what he was claiming about himself, either they were scared of him or furious with him, or they knelt down before him and worshiped him. What are we doing? Are we kneeling down before Jesus and worshiping him? People in the Bible are never indifferent to Jesus. Are we indifferent to Jesus or are we making him Lord of our life? Are we surrendered to him? Are we in a relationship with him? I wanna summarize the Bible. Some of you have heard this, maybe many of you have, but I'm convinced that most forget to surrender by the time of the afternoon nap, so I'll give it to you again. The Bible can be summed up with the acronym that spells gospel. The G at the beginning of gospel, God created us to be with him. Genesis chapters one through two teaches, teach us that God wants a relationship with us. The O, our sins separate us from God. When we sin, we sin against a holy, righteous God. God wants a relationship with us, but our sins separate us from him. The S, sins cannot be removed by good works. All through the Old Testament, it teaches our good works don't cover our sins. We still need a sacrifice, a blood, fully human sacrifice for our sins. And that creates a dilemma because God loves us and wants a relationship with us. So God took action, paying the price for our sins. This is a P in gospel. Paying the price for our sins, Jesus died and rose again. When Jesus was stretched out on the cross, he took your sins and my sins and the world's sins upon himself. The E in gospel, everyone who trusts in Jesus alone shall inherit eternal life. And the L, Life this eternal means being with Jesus forever. So have you surrendered to Jesus? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Are you in a relationship with him? If you're not, I encourage you today. You never promise tomorrow. I encourage you today, surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, I surrendered a long time ago, but I'm not living for him. Rededicate your life to him today. Maybe you've always been a fan on the sidelines. You're not really committed to Jesus. You're a believer but you're not a follower of Jesus. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, anyone can come after me, but he or she must deny his or herself, take up his or her cross and follow. We're not called to be just light, easy believers on the sidelines of Jesus. We're called to make him Lord of our life, to surrender our life to him. So if you're one that needs to rededicate your life to him, do that today. If you're one that's a believer on the sidelines, but you're not really committed to him, Commit to him today. Make him your Lord and Savior today. Or maybe you've never committed to him. Today is a day of salvation. Make that first-time commitment today. I'm gonna give a prayer here in just a moment. And the Bible uses four action words to describe our commitment to Christ. Confess, believe, trust, commit. We confess we are sinners in need of a Savior. We believe in Jesus as the one and only Savior. He died on the cross for our sins and rose again. 
we trust in him and commit to him. If you're there and you're thinking, I haven't committed to him, say this prayer with me to commit to him today. Just say it to yourself, to God. Angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. God wants a relationship with us. Heaven rejoices when we, when we surrender to him. Pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, we come to you right now as we round the closing of this Christmas Eve service. And Lord God, I know that there are some gathered right now, right here, who have not surrendered their life to you. There are others here that have strayed from you and they need to rededicate their life to you. Lord God, I would invite them to tell you that they want to surrender to you, to tell you in a simple prayer like this. If you're sitting there and you want to surrender your life to Jesus or rededicate your life to him, tell him that in a simple prayer like this. You're not saved by the prayer, you're saved by what's in your heart. But tell him in a simple prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I confess I have sinned and missed your perfect standard. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. Today, Lord, I am trusting in you as Lord and Savior. Today, Lord, I am committing my life to you. Please come into my life and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you said that prayer, share with someone today. We would love to celebrate with you. If you are there and you have questions, you don't understand certain things or you have doubts about the Christian life, I would love to talk to you. Please seek me out, call me up, text me, email me. I would love to sit down and talk. I would love to talk to you about the Christian faith. I invite um, Mercedes and Abigail up, and I'm also going to invite Katie and Ryan and Kevin up, and we are going to, and Cassandra, and we are about to sing, closing the service with Silent Night, and as we always do, we're going to light the candles. What we're going to do, it takes a moment to get all the candles lit, so what we're going to do is Elaine is going to play silent night through one time while we uh, light the candles and then following that we will all sing together please stand if you're able uh, we will light the end of each row and the one with the unlit candle should be uh, leaning their candle down so that we don't set the church on fire so go ahead Elaine thank you Kevin and Ryan and Katie got it